In this episode of the Culture Quest, we use the Tavern Talk segment to talk about what info about our lives we would like to have summed up once we're dead. Our main discussion is mostly about the first season of Flight of the Concords, and we finish by previewing the subject of our next episode, Woody Allen's Annie Hall. Hello, and welcome to the Culture Quest. We are but humble adventurers, and sometimes we see 1986 David Bowie from the movie Labyrinth in our dreams as well. Before we start, emergency podcast meeting. Peter? Present. Bario? Present. And Inan? Present. Good. Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. Episode 20. Uh, well done, guys. Let's take a minute and thank everyone who's been enjoying this podcast. Thanks. Yeah, uh, we really appreciate everyone who's chosen to spend their time with us. Quickly, let me tell you, so far on our quest, we've encountered four movies, three albums. Uh, one was a live album. Uh, three books. One of them was a comic. I wasn't sure if I was going to count it as a book or a category on its own. Uh, we've done a documentary movie. We've done a video game. Some classical music. We've done three lockdown bonus episodes. And one side quest. That's, that's quite a lot. Are we cultured yet? Uh, a little bit more, yeah. Hmm. Like in terms of judo, I think we're yellow belt now. Oh. Is yellow high? Is yellow just before black? No, yellow no. is the first one after white. Yeah. <laughs> so like we, we can beat people who are completely uncultured. No. I had a yellow belt in judo when I was eight, so we're we're, we're getting better. <laughs> well, there's some there's some tribes that still haven't like interacted with the world yet, and they're like they're fully isolated. So they're we're <laughs> definitely like more cultured than them. You would say. Yeah. So we can go we can go over there and say hmm, you haven't read All Star Superman mm-hmm. and, and play with our monocle. They they wouldn't even have a clue of the judo belt system either. <laughs> All in all, like we've had a, a few really interesting topics uh, and a different variety of topics. Like, look at the list. I think it's uh, something to be proud of. And uh, we've, we're only just beginning. I think it's safe to say that we've been having a lot of fun doing each and every one of these episodes. We learned a lot about culture and about ourselves. And I'll quickly mention that the best way to support this podcast, if you enjoy this, um, is to tell people about it. Uh, if you know someone who might find this podcast to be pleasant let them know your friends will be impressed by the fact that you listen to obscure indie podcasts definitely um today we'll be discussing flight of the concords but before we do that let's take a minute and enjoy some tavern talk (laughs) okay so for this episode's tavern talk we're going to have uh, a fun little discussion. Uh, here's the idea. Well, when I was a kid, I I didn't think there's like an afterlife or, or anything. I kind of thought that when you die, everything kind of goes to black and, and, and that's about it. And for some reason, I always wanted to believe that before everything goes to black, you get this clipboard with a piece of paper on it that has, you know, all kinds of statistical data about your life. And now that I'm older, I kind of imagine it to be this Android tablet or something, but never mind. Um, it has all the general stuff, like how long you lived and how many friends you had and, you know, all the general stats. But it also has every interesting stat that you can think of. And here's my question to you guys. Let's assume that, like, no matter what happens to you when you die, you get this statute of your life. What are the statistics you're scrolling down the list to find? Like, what are the stats that you're most interested in? I'll just start. I wrote a few... A few down, like there's the there's the super obvious ones, which is you you sort of want to know the ratio of genuine laughs to fake laughs in when you tell jokes. That would be nice to know. Yeah, I got that one as well. Just like a eighty twenty seventy thirty would be nice, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I'd go for fifty fifty because I'm bad at telling jokes. <laughs> but Peter, how would you feel if if like the last thing you hear before disappearing to oblivion <laughs> would be that no one ever la- really left? That would be rough. That would that would certainly yeah. be rough. Yeah. Though I would feel like I I would have an award <laughs> if it was zero. Then I, I feel like there's an award there. I would also kind of like to know how many jokes 
went over my head. Oh, that's you know, a like, good one. That's a good one. Yeah, because I'd like to think that I'm I'm, I'm good at getting jokes, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know how many I've missed, and I'd like to know. That's a rough one. I, I hate not not getting jokes. You feel like such a twat. <laughs> um, the other super obvious one was um, successful lies versus failed Ooh. lies. That's you just want to know, like, the percentage of lies you got away with. Hmm. Like, I would accept 85%. I don't tell that many, but the ones I do tell should, I, I just can't imagine, that would be picked up. So, there's one that's, that's um, just happiness to sadness ratio, but this one kind of is, is a bit weird because what defines, like, happy, like, there's so many states sort of in between. It would just be a difficult thing to sort of like go through yeah. and think, mm-hmm. whew, you know, it's hard to think about it without just realizing that all these stats that just couldn't exist. But that would be a cool one just for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd want an argument KDR. So you'd want an argument kill death ratio. Oof. So unlike the lies and, and the laughs, you sort of know if you won an argument or lost an argument, but it'd be nice to have that all collated for you at the end. Just be like, yeah. Mm-hmm, By mm-hmm. the way, it's like when you get out of laser tag and go and look at the screens. You're like, yeah, man, I came like second or something. It'd be nice to come out and just be like, oh, 80%. That's pretty good success rate for arguments. Yeah, you know? I'd be interested in that, yeah. Assuming assuming sort of like if, if someone wins an argument, then someone has to lose, then there'd be a lot of people that were like abysmal scores. There'd be like 1090 or something. So if, <laughs> if you're above 50-50, that's a win, I think. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's also interesting, like, um, what is the trend of what people think of you afterwards? Because that kind of tells how you run your argument. Because you could convince someone that you're right, but he thinks you're a, you're a dick in the process. Oh, uh, like hearts won. Yeah. yeah. So, like, from the arguments you won, do people think better or less of you afterwards? Mm. That's an interesting. interesting. Mm. I, I'd love to see a like a bar graph of TV show watch times. So just all the all the minutes that I've watched on like the ten highest. I'd like to see like a pie chart or bar chart of just like what would be mm. number ones and twos. I I feel like I could probably list out my top five, but it would be nice to actually know mm-hmm. because sometimes you have like a show on that you watch very often, but you don't really identify yourself as a massive fan even though you do watch it and they have a lot of seasons and they always play reruns so there could be some surprises Mm -hmm. i reckon another interesting one could be expense breakdown this is actually my favorite as an like an accountant (laughs) like i just love to see just something that has like a breakdown of like like not i don't want to know food and stuff because that's like that's just too general like what a human needs like rent and stuff like that but i'd like to know like inside of food like how much of it was like chocolate and how much of it was like fruit and stuff like <laughs> that. Awesome. Like I'd just love to know just just to wrap up, you know, at the end. An angel comes to you and gives you a reward for the human being who spent uh, most of his income up on about ice cream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would just be fun to like get to the end and be like, hmm, I spent like four times as much on beef jerky as I did on milk or something. <laughs> just. Just that weird stuff. You could like understand something about yourself just from like your purchasing habits. Yeah. So, because like I know when I look through my bank account, I'm just horrified. I just, I just can't believe it's me. Um, like at the moment, I'm wrapping up. Um, by the time this comes out, I probably would have finished. I definitely would have finished them all. But I'm reading the Harry Potter books, and it's just is horrific the damage it does on a bank account just getting into a new series like this just because you got the audio books and then the kindle books and then all the ones you got to buy because you just accept uh, obsessed so i just i just love to see the havoc that some hobbies brought across my bank account yeah. like you know like sports you were trying to get into that you just bought all the expensive new equipment mm-hmm. and just never got into it would just be nice to see that sunk cost when you're dead mm-hmm. yeah i agree i'd love to know like, I buy a lot of video games, but I only buy them when they're, like, in a really good discount. Mm. So I'd love to know how much money I saved on these discounts. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Uh. <laughs> I was wondering what is the most common number that I divided, like, material things <laughs> into. I thought about it yesterday because I ate some pizza with friends, and, 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 I, and I asked them about it. And we all said that it was probably eight, you know, because... We thought that we ate a lot of pizza, so we we mostly 
divide by eight. But I, I'm not talking about in general, but like material things that when you need to divide them, what is the most common number? Um, well, I, I, when I buy pizzas, they divide it into six, not, not eight. Oh, really? They do, yeah. We're in Australia. Oh, is that a dog whistle? Or am I going to some sort of racist pizza maker or something? You might be, yeah. Mm. No, you're going to pizza <laughs> hell, that's for sure. Kit Kats go in four, I oh, think. Kit Kats go in four, yeah, that's right, that's right. But how, how frequently do you share a Kit Kat that you need how to often? split it into four? Mm. Never. Yeah. Um, no. Two? split when you divorce you split things two ways yeah, every time you go have these yeah i guess i guess people go have this more yeah. often than than anything else so it's probably two right that that was also enormous first answer when i when i talked with him because about like it. It, it just seems to be the obvious answer yeah. <laughs> yeah another is um how many people secretly liked us like each each of us that's, that's interesting the first one i wrote down I'm kind of surprised that Peter didn't have it as well. Well, he's not he's not so shallow. Yeah, but definitely. I'd love to know how many people kind of had a crush or something on me. Like I, I before I look up that stat, I, I definitely take a second to prepare myself in a, in case of a lower number. <laughs> but I definitely want to know what is a lower number by your your definition. Um, anything below ten, I would say. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh wow. I think it's high. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I have low self-esteem. What, no, Anon's talking about after we hit podcast recording fame. <laughs> so this is when he dies, not now. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Well, oh, then, then I thought you were talking in thousands. Yeah. No, then, of course. <laughs> um, I don't know, like throughout life. I, I, and I'm not talking about like someone who were crazy about you for a while. Like even someone who thought about... You know, so you you were sitting in a bar. Someone uh, who doesn't know you on the other side of the room looks at you and kind of thinking, "Hmm, yeah, I, I can see myself with them." That, that's enough for me. Yeah, ten would be a decent. Um, you could live with yourself with ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're dead. Yeah. But still. <laughs> well, well, so that's like kind of like shallow attraction. I'm talking about about a crush. Yeah, like a real thing. Yeah, you probably like he he or she knows you. Not not necessarily really. Really good, but they find you attractive. They'd be willing to go out with you a few times. Yeah, how many people would probably say yes if you mm. would ask them out? And a subset of that is how many people you wanted to ask out but you never did. Yeah, you could get like the whole Venn diagram yeah. of people that would have said yes, yeah. and then people you wanted to. Yeah, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, something I've thought about was kind of what Peter said about TV shows. Like, I would love to know which musical artist I spent the most time listening to. Oh, that'd be good. At the moment, I I would guess it would be either Tom Waits or Iron Maiden. But I, I don't. A lot could happen before I die. Uh, I hope. And I would love to know kind of which specific song I listened to the most. You know, like one song. What wh- what was the song of my life? Yeah, I I wrote that down as well. Yeah. And I, I'd love to know if there's kind of a drop between the first and second place, you know, if there's like one song that really stands out. I think um, you can actually get the song you've heard the most um, through Spotify. There's like a link you can go to to get it, but it's obviously it's only going to be through Spotify. It's not going to yeah. be like an omniscient sort of being that can calculate it. Yeah, I use Google Music. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it does that then. No, it does. I can't find out oh, it does? The, the, the song. Um, but I've switched accounts a couple of years ago. Uh, and also that before that, you know, it doesn't count the first, I don't know, 25 years of my life. But at the moment, yeah. the first the, the song number one for me in the last couple of years is Helpless from Hamilton. 79 mm. times I've listened to it. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I got it's like only seventy-seven listens, and it's uh, uh, crystallized by Lindsay Sterling. Uh, she's a like a dubstep violinist. violinist. Yeah, I never really got into her. This one's mine, um, "The Rover" by Led Zeppelin off the Physical Graffiti album. But it doesn't tell me how many times. It doesn't tell me. It would have to be like over two hundred, though. I would, mm. I would assume, because I've been on Spotify for about five years. So, oh, really? It would have to be well over 200, actually. Yeah. Um, any other stats you guys are looking into? Uh, this one's a difficult one. Um, this is my last one, but I would like to know the net benefit I gave to like people around me, like who mm. I made, whose life I made better. So like it would, if just list, I assume it would be friends, but yeah. like, you know, whose life I had the best impact on. And then also 
the the benefit to me like who benefited my life the most mm yeah hmm. i think i'd like to also kind of check out like i don't know something general that everyone does but like how many times my heart beat just to see a big number there you know just to kind of feel like i've accomplished something <laughs> it'll be about 2.7 billion according to scale <laughs> Yes, so today we're doing Flight of the Concords, a tale of two, well, it's not really a tale, I guess, but it's just, oh, never mind, um, <laughs> uh, two New Zealanders that have a band called Flight of the Concords, and we watched the first season in which they're, well, it's hard to say that they're trying to succeed, they're kind of like, well, they do try to succeed, but it's... They're very passively trying to succeed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's mostly about the things that happened around the fact that they're passively just want to succeed. Um, well, yeah. I mean, the second episode is called Brett Gives Up the Dream. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. He passively gave up the dream. You know, the, the final episode of the season, it's kind of like the the most significant chord that everyone around them uh, succeeds and, and they're exactly at the same spot. Um, yeah. mm. So we got uh, Jermaine and Brett. Yeah, Jermaine Clement and Brett McKenzie yeah. playing themselves. And their manager, Murray. And sometimes their pawn shop owner friend... Dave? Dave, Dave, Dave. Dave. Yeah, probably Dave. And... Uh, their crazy fanatical uh, fan Mel. The fan base? <laughs> yeah, their fan, yeah, the fan base. <laughs> I wonder if we have a fan base in that size. Yeah, so uh, we watched the first uh, season and um, basically, like, they've done a lot of things. They've done, there's a second season, obviously, which I don't know if you guys have watched and they have a few albums and a few live shows. Um, they started as a comic duo. That, that's how they kind of got the TV show and all. So they have a few co- comedy specials. Yeah, I, I think I watched the uh their live performance in london right before we started this uh, recording but that's it i, I watched the first uh, season and and that and i also watched the jenny video after peter recommended it the jenny video is kind of the only thing i've really seen from them i knew how they work so they've been around in the news but i didn't really understand exactly what they were doing i thought they were just kind of a shitty hamish and andy ripoff <laughs> from new zealand um but um, yeah, I, I I watched it, and it's sort of like this interesting mix of a television sitcom mixed with like a musical show, yeah. mixed with a comedy. So it, it's very interesting. And like at at the start, I'll admit, like first couple episodes, I I thought it was a little bit sort of it it felt like a bit of just a skit. Like I didn't really feel like I could ever connect with the story, mm. but. After a while, I sort of immersed myself in the novelty of it. Like, it's not really meant to be taken, like, too seriously. Like, the the characters are meant to be given a little bit of, like, room to breathe when it comes to, like, being irrational and stuff like that. Like, no one's obviously going to believe David Bowie's floated into their <laughs> living room and stuff like that. So, it's all over the top. And also, it's over the top, but it's also very under the top. So, yeah. it's like they, they deal with very sort of local issues, like racism at a fruit cart and stuff like that so it's it's very overboard but it but it's also very like a localized sort of thing in um, new york um i really liked it actually and it did remind me a little bit of hamish and annie but it's definitely like it's not a ripoff and it's and it's they're they're their own thing definitely and um i can't really tell you if it had any like new zealand if that's new zealand humor i feel like from watching a bit of Taika, it feels like it is a little bit sort of New Zealanders don't really take themselves too seriously, willing to sort of <laughs> laugh at themselves and stuff. But I wouldn't know, obviously, uh, coming from the better country, but um, <laughs> it was really enjoyable. So um, it was, um, it didn't really require, I didn't really feel like I needed to prepare to watch it. It just felt very easy just to chuck on. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was really nice just to sort of, just sit down and relax too. It's yeah, I definitely agree. I really enjoyed watching the series because like the main characters, Jermaine and Brett, they're fun. They're cute. It's fun to just hear them talk in that accent. <laughs> the, <laughs> the jokes, they're kind of dumb jokes, but they feel clever. Um, and I have to say, I wasn't like rolling on the floor laughing 
at all. But every two seconds, something made me giggle or smile. Or um, it's, it's a fun experience, you know? There are parts like that every line had a clever bit in it that I liked. A- even if I wasn't dying laughing all the time, this plays a lot to my taste and I really enjoyed it. Hmm. How'd you enjoy it, Barry? I had a tough journey. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, because I, I started watching it. And, well, I, I, I apologize, but, I, like, I don't like Seinfeld that much. Mostly because it's, it's kind of about nothing. And when I started watching it, not only it was about nothing, but the whole vibe of, of the jokes, I don't know, it just, it just didn't get me. So I, it was hard for me to keep watching, especially because I recently started re-watching Community. And I, I kept wanting to, to go back and, and watch that. But, but I, I made myself sit through it and watch the episodes. And I can say that at least once an episode, I found myself um, laughing. Well, I, I guess it's really my fault. Like, I, I don't really get that kind of humor. When I watched it, I was having a great time. But I was thinking, hmm, I don't know if Anon and Barrio will get it. it yeah, it's a, it's a weird sort of humor. I actually thought you guys are going to love it. So I, I, I watched and it was... It was really hard. I, I, I got a bit after the, the mid-season. Then I took a break. When I went back to it, it I actually felt a bit more comfortable with it. Mm. And I got to say that I just finished watching their special. And I pretty much enjoyed it. Their uh, live show in London where they're a bit older. And I found it, I found it really amusing. It's definitely just uh, a platform for them as, um, as musicians, right? As comedians, maybe. I think they shine much more on the stage as a duo instead of like in the TV show. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree. That's what I wanted to say. I like the TV show, but um, the stuff they do just as a duet is much better. Like the, the big example I would use is like the, the one they did live called like Business Time. Like I, I had listened to that a few times, like in the week before going through all the episodes and it was like, it, it was in my head. I loved it. Just like the expressions and the, and the way they like intonate everything. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. But then I saw the video and it was cool, but it was like, I wouldn't keep watching that, yeah. you know, yeah. like I do the, um, the live stuff. So yeah, I definitely agree. There's some, there's some delta between like what they do live and what they sort of put in the show. If It's a different gig I get, but... You can add to that comparison the, the what they do on the albums because they play the same songs in the show, on the album and live on stage. And, you know, when you compare these three things, they're still the best on stage. Yeah. Because like their albums, I think, I like their songs, but they got boring quite fast. Uh, like after the second or third hearing, I already kind of skipped songs. Uh, then I kind of got tired of the albums, but the comedy, like the, the live shows, the, they're really charismatic on stage. It's really fun. I'd love to watch more of that. Yeah. It's mainly about the interaction between t- t- the two of them. They, they got really good thing going on. Yeah. And especially when they're performing a song. By the way, all their songs are kind of like, I don't know, it felt like the same kind of humor where they do like this absurd dialogue or situation you know, it's like that with Jenny. It's like that with, uh, there's the song where, where they talk French. Food of Fafa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a good one. Yeah. And, and, the whole pre- and the whole premise there is that he's trying to talk to someone in French and he's just <laughs> saying, you know, French catchphrases. Voilà, mi passeport. Bibliothèque. See, I, I don't speak French, so I just thought they were saying things perfectly i didn't i didn't get that i thought so as well at yeah. first. <laughs> <laughs> until the end where he admits at the end that he doesn't know and that girl is like la douche uh, um, <laughs> so most of them of their songs are, are like that and it works good when when they're in the that microcosmos of of just the two of them but whenever you put someone else and and i don't know it, it I, I found it it worked less yeah I think what bothered me the most is is that like it's New York, right? But it it was like what if everyone in New York had Asperger? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like what I felt. Like everyone they meet is just weird and and doesn't know how to communicate. Even when they meet the Aziz, meet Aziz sorry, right? Who's just weird? Like he starts um, with being racist with New Zealanders, which is very funny, but, and then he kind of like. <laughs> twist to to australian like i understood the joke that that he, he mixed the two of them but i don't know it's just completely weird 
like not relatable at all. And I think it's it's a bit problematic where you create this whole universe where you can relate to anyone. Mm. I think like that's part of the problem that I had with Breaking Bad. I don't know if you watched it, but like you hate everyone. <laughs> everyone in Breaking Bad is just horrible. You just hate all the characters there. It's interesting nonetheless, but it's it's hard to relate. And and in in uh, Flight of the Concords, that's that's very noticeable. I felt like I related a little bit more to Jermaine than Brett. Like I didn't really relate to any of them that much. But if I had to like nail it down. Jermaine seemed a bit more normal, where Brett was very flaky, like when he just like quits the band and stuff <laughs> like that. Like it was, like, I, I have no theory of mind for Brett because he's just, I just don't understand him at all. He's He's got like the weirdest plot yeah. they attach to him. Like it, it, he, he just seems so distant, yeah. you know, like he, like nothing affects him. Jermaine sometimes is like, you can actually see what he's feeling, but Brett is much more difficult. Brett's like a robot. They're both kind of childish. Yeah. But Jermaine shows his feelings yeah. some more. And Brett has a lot of things that come easily to him, especially with girls, I guess. And yeah. Jermaine keeps being jealous. Although, also, it's not really consistent. You know, like there's the episode where that girl is trying to sleep with him and trying to seduce him. Like, you know, this whole reverse concept of of um, boy meets girl yeah the one with the um the one how she's shipping out or something yeah. like that <laughs> she's the french she's the person from the croissant yeah. place yeah and by the way i love that actress she's she's not in yeah. enough things um, she's also in community and in uh, scrubs yeah and also in a really good tv show that i think got cancelled way too soon called happy endings and and like in that episode <laughs> you kind of get that brett is very careful with relationships. But then there's the episode where they go on a tour and they meet the, the water polo group. And and that completely like get out of narrative. I don't know, that, that kind of baffled me. But maybe I'm not looking at it, at it correctly, you know? Maybe it's not supposed to have like uh, an overall sense and each episode is kind of like a skit of its own. Yeah, they felt, they felt disjointed. They yeah. definitely did. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think that this is the media they were like the best at yeah well they did 12 episodes of roughly half an hour right so they did just under six hours just the first uh, they had another season then just the first season yeah but i would much rather trade in that six hours for a good hour and a half set and they do their jokes and stuff like that in the form of comedy that would be much better and if they just did like an hour and a half sort of Netflix special or something like that. Nowadays, if they were just to do, like, every two years, they bring out a special, I would much rather that than the TV show. The 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 premise of the show really, really reminded me, sometimes in a distracting way, but you can't blame them, uh, the Tenacious D TV series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they also had a TV series. It, it only ran for six episodes in 97, I think, or 98. And it's almost the exact same premise. They're, they're a couple of friends who start a band. They also play kind of acoustic guitars. They live in L.A. instead of New York. And, you know, they're a failed band, but they also kind of think that they're, you know, just a minute away, just a hit away from succeeding. And a lot of the story beats are kind of the same. A lot of the jokes are kind of in the same vein. Are you sure? But they got like completely different vibe. They're, yeah, I like, agree. Y- you can't compare Jack Black to... No, like Jack Black and Kyle Gass and Tenacious D, they're very extroverted. And the Flight of the Conquerors are very gentle and introverted. They're, they're completely different in that kind of aspect. And when you compare them, like, I think that the Conquerors were funnier, kind of more sophisticated. But I think Tenacious D's music was a lot better. I actually didn't mind the songs that much. They were a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But they're actually, like, surprisingly... Like, I kind of expected the same song to be just, like, the same beat and everything like that. But, like, they actually did have some interesting melodies, I thought. Yeah. Interesting, but it wasn't enough for me. Like, there were more jokey songs. Like, the music wasn't great, but the, the lyrics were really funny. And then... I love the the video clips that they did to each and every one of them. If you judge it only by the kind of its musical merits, it's not amazing. But what I would give to to their benefit is that I thought that the musical style was very 
uh, diverse. You can say that Tenacious D pl- mainly play rock, right? Yeah. Uh, Flight of the Concords got a lot going on. Yeah, and they did that French song. They sometimes do something that's a little bit more Jamaican or reggae. They do like ballads uh-huh. as well. They did um, They did a rock one they had in the rap. last couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have like uh, favorite jokes, favorite parts? Yeah, um, I, I, there's probably a couple more, but I enjoyed the two Beatles references, like at the end of Yoko, um, episode four. That was my favorite episode, Yoko. That was mine as well. Yeah. Brett um, Brett was singing sort of like at the end of Hey Jude. He, you know how Paul McCartney's like yelling at the top of his voice? Mm-hmm. Well, Brett's sort of like doing the same thing when they walk down the street. And then, um, oh, yeah, when they take the, um, the acid... <laughs> um, when they drop acid and they do like a really sort of um, Indian kind of thing, like a Ravi Shankar, um, I think it, that, that's his name, but George Harrison sort of sitar song. <laughs> like it, it, it was absolutely like meant to be like a Strawberry Fields cra- <laughs> crossed yeah. with mm-hmm. like what's the song on Revolver? Like nobody knows slash oh, I'm messing up all these names um, <laughs> slash Love You Too. You know. The, it had a lot of like Beatles stuff in that one, so yeah, I enjoyed that. Also, their uh, their uh, David Bowie style. Yeah, the David Bowie song I, I thought was the funny. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Jermaine's David Bowie impression yeah. is so funny, and he's hanging on the <laughs> the ropes there, and he's flying around. <laughs> Peter, have you watched uh, Rick and Morty? Yeah, I've seen the first three seasons. Oh okay, yeah. So I kept, in that Bowie song, I just kept thinking to myself. Goodbye, Moon Man, because it had the same vibe, right? <laughs> yeah, the Jermaine sings it. Yeah, exactly. I thought, like, one of the only moments that kind of really made me laugh is when there's this episode where they do this photo shoot, and and uh, Murray tells Jermaine, you look like an ogre that works in a library, and, and that is a perfect description, <laughs> an ogre that works in a library. Wow. And I literally is. went like, yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> <laughs> because like he has this huge jaw and huge lips but like he, he is not messy or anything and he has his glasses he does look like an ogre that works in a library <laughs> i think the upper part of his face is is gentle but the lower Isn't. is a bit more rough so <laughs> that kind of gives you the ogre in a library <laughs> yeah i thought mari was the funniest i i i really enjoyed mari actually that's probably the highlight of the show for me just just the just the way he sort of um brings in like a new perspective to the band and sort of challenges them over the most pointless stuff yeah. like the yeah. <laughs> like the lady technician and stuff like that he rips out the cord and it's just like oh it's not working so he's just he's he he just plays his part really well and he just like it, it takes a weird sort of acting style to pull it off, but um, just to say things sincerely, which no one would ever say. Like he says, like, oh, be careful with it. Don't stand next to any big magnets. <laughs> and then Jermaine's like, why would I stand next to a big magnet? And he says, I don't know what you do in your personal <laughs> life. You know, like, that's a hard that's a hard line to pull off and just really be, like, sincere about it. So I kind of liked him, actually. He would be my yeah. highlight of mm-hmm. the show that's interesting because like one of the questions i prepared is what what did you think about um about murray's character and you know i guess i guess you're in the same notion that you liked him that character is important for the dynamics of the show but it's cringy because things always oh, bad things always happen to him and after a while it just feels sorry for him i, I love these jokes i love these lines where, like all the band meetings i really love them uh, so yeah, I guess, I guess I'm with Peter on this. You do feel sorry for yeah. him though, like when he spends money and he's not going to make it back, and he's like telling his wife, "No, we'll make it back, we'll make yeah. it back." And then his his boss rings him and stuff. I'm just like, how does this guy still have a job? <laughs> like, geez, they have some bloat at the New Zealand consulate, yeah. don't they? I I, uh, I agree with you that like the show will probably would probably be completely empty without his character. But he annoyed the hell out of me. <laughs> um, like I guess I guess that's part of what the, that character is trying to do, right? Because yeah. every single time with the name reading, and and just being slow and I don't know, maybe maybe it, it was meant that I would feel that way. But <laughs> he annoyed the hell out of me. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I think one of his funnier bits, though, 
you know, like every time he does this roll call in every uh, every meeting, even if they're together in a room <laughs> for a while and then they start like this emergency meeting, they always start with the roll call. I thought this was so funny because it paid off when they went to a meeting with the uh, greeting card company or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they go into that meeting. Ah, yeah, yeah. And he, he, after a while, he kind of asks the guy, when is the meeting going to start? Because you didn't do a roll call. <laughs> I thought it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't mind the roll call. I thought it was, was fun. funny. <laughs> um, Peter, how, how would, did you feel as an Australian watching the flip off uh, Australia? Oh, uh... uh, yeah. <laughs> um, look, I don't know. I kind of always feel like uh, compared to <laughs> Americans, Australians and New Zealand, New Zealanders are sort of just one and the same. But then when it comes back to like, just us then it's then it's us versus them so yeah <laughs> you haven't watched the second season peter i haven't watched it yet no in the second season there's like a few new characters from the australian consulate Ooh. and they become like real rivals of uh, murray mm-hmm. interesting did you did you watch uh, all of it you know no i'm in the middle of the second season I finished the first one and then I, you know, just kept going. Does it cool. um, get better or is it sort of the same? I definitely recommend watching the second one because as far as I've seen, it's cute, it's fun. There there are more songs if you like them and all in all, it, it's kind of more of the same, but the first one was more fresh. Okay. Uh, I liked it better. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. There were some moments from the first season that I did like. There, like, there was some episodes, like the Yoko episode, the actor episode, and um, the even um, the one called Drive By, the one with the fruit vendor. Didn't mind that one as well. Um, but I definitely like when I was watching it, I didn't, I didn't not like it. Like it was fun just to put on and relax. Like I didn't really feel that engaged, but like I still like to watch it. So. Um, I can't say like I regret watching it because it was actually like quite a bit of fun, but it's just like upon review when you actually sit down and think, well, what have we learned here? And then you kind of realize that like if it, it, it does, it's not bad until you start comparing it to other things, like compared to their own shows, like it's just them two without the budget pretty much then it, it's mm. nothing compared to their own their own stuff. And then you compare it to like other shows which you could be watching. Like um, and It's not on Netflix, but if it was on Netflix, then you look at the shows like on the tab to the left, tab to the right, and it doesn't really hold up, you know? And, and it's yeah. and it doesn't help that it's like a lower quality from 2007. So, um, but yeah. So like when I was actually watching it, it's fine though. I totally agree. I kind of think that like this is a type of comedy that I find to be fun from two guys whose style I really enjoy. But I can't say that I've learned a lot from this experience like maybe some other episodes we've done, you know? Which, it, it's not a bad thing because it's not always about learning something. Sometimes it's about just enjoying what we're doing. And this was a lot of fun. But I don't know. I, I agree with you, Peter. I'd say this ranks favorably against just scrolling mindlessly through reddit or youtube this is this is better than yeah. that <laughs> i agree i wanted like i have a list of a few interesting things that they've done after flight of the concords um barry you already kind of mentioned the first one though like the jermaine uh voiced the character in rick and morty uh i wasn't sure if you guys knew about that did not but part i like yeah, that name part part uh and also he did a voice and sang a song in moana Tamatoa will never always be this way. Exactly. Tamatoa the crab. Also, when um, you're probably going to mention it next, but he also had a, Jermaine also had a role in um, Legion. Nope. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, it's a cool TV show. Very weird and like, you, you know, it's kind of like the uh, the X-Men version of Flight of the Conquerors hmm. in, in that way. It's kind of kind of like every every episode is very, you know, you're not entirely sure what's going on. Um, and he has a role there that is, that is just perfect for him. Like this weird little man. Cool. <laughs> not little, but just weird. Um, Brett, on the other hand, he wrote the song Man or Muppet for the Muppets uh, Most Wanted movie. And he won an Oscar for it, for Best Original Song. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, Brett did the music for two Muppet movies, and he won an Oscar for one of them. And he also plays Figwit in Lord of the Rings, in Fellowship and Return. Did you guys know that? Haven't watched Lord of the Rings, mate. I was was thinking about Googling it, because I had this memory that Figwit is one of the guys from Flight of the Conquerors. 
I'll tell you the story really quickly. Brett plays this elf in Lord of the Rings, and it's not a character with lines or even a character with a name. He's basically an extra in one of the most dramatic scenes. So he basically gets like two or three seconds on the screen, and he's like way to the side, and he does this dramatic face, and that's it. That's his role in the movie. But... Someone, I think a girl from Israel, she noticed it and she started a fan uh, website for it, for that character. And she named that character Figwit, which stands for Frodo is great. Who is that? Because it's the scene where Frodo decides to take the ring to Mordor. So she says she was thinking when she watched that scene, oh man, Frodo is great. Wait, who is that? So she started a website, a fan website, and it blew the fuck up. (laughs) Like people... Uh, started printing shirts and and stickers that says fig with lives and everything and then like it became like this big thing and then when they went to 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 shoot return of the king the the last movie they brought him back and they gave him a couple of lines he's one of the elves in the the kind of the last scenes where he talks to arwen or something i don't remember what he says but he has lines in lord of the rings does he talk in elvish or i think so yeah and funnily Mm. enough his father also plays in uh, Fellowship of the Rings as Elendil in the intro. Uh, you see the, 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 like the War of the Ring and the, the Elendil, the King of the Men, I'm not, I don't really remember. That's, that's his father, Brett's father. So cool. it's just kind of a funny story. It's crazy that he's figwit. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, what are the, what are the odds? Well, it's crazy <laughs> that they're doing, they did a um, Lord of the Rings, like, mockumentary kind of whatever they did um, song yeah. in the bloody TV show. That is, that's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess, like, from what I heard, most of New Zealand were extras in Lord of the Rings, <laughs> so I guess the odds were pretty good. All 18 of them. <laughs> because he's there, his father is an extra, he plays Elendil, and his brother also plays one of the elves in everyone's <laughs> council. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, oh, <God. laughs> it's kind of a family thing. <laughs> they ran out of New Zealanders, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's the only one with a fan website. So uh, in fact, yeah. they're just waiting to film the next Lord of the Rings until they can get their population up, so they have enough extras. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, that this this question really good. Um, uh, opportunity to for my next question because I wasn't entirely sure. Is Brett that hot? Because you get from the TV show that he's very popular with the ladies, and I didn't quite understand that. I tried to understand if if I'm missing something. And now that you're saying that is Figwit, that someone actually watched Lord of the Rings and you said, "Oh my God, look at that dude! Is so handsome, so attractive." Then I guess. He is? I'll, I'll say for myself, I think he's really attractive. Okay, you know. It's, it's a bit kind of in a subtle way, you know, like he's not uh, like, I don't know, like a movie star attractive, you know, he's not like in your face attractive, but he's, he's attractive. Peter, we, we learned from Flight of the Conquerors that you can give Brett a compliment without... It's not gay. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's <laughs> super attractive. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're kidding or... Uh... Nah, he's super attractive for New Zealand. I think so as well. I think, uh, I don't know how we get to talk about that, but <laughs> I also think Jermaine is kind of attractive, but you have to kind of... Overlook the ogre part. <laughs> you, you have to get used to it. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. I, I wasn't sure if Brett is attractive or not because like, <laughs> when he's standing next to Jermaine, then definitely he's attractive because Jermaine, yeah. <laughs> again, looks like an ogre in a library. Yeah. But, but Jermaine as itself, he's, he's charming. He's not he's attractive. Not classically beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> he's charming in an ogreish way. Yeah. If we're bragging about how much we know about the actors, um, the Jermaine is also uh, an executive producer on What We Do in the Shadows with Taika Waititi, our favorite Taika Waititi. Yeah, I think he also co-directed the movie with him, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. That's all I see on his Twitter feed. They, so. they work together a lot. Yeah, they do. As far as I've read, I think um, Jermaine met Taika, I think, in university or something, and a couple of years before he met uh, Brett, Brett McKenzie. Mm-hmm. So there's this... I think it was from 2004 or 2003, kind of a documentary about Flight of the Concords flying to Scotland, I think, mm. to do a show in this comedy festival. And Taika is kind of tagging along as kind of their friend. Mm. You know, they, I think they have a long history together. That's cool. Mm. Yeah. And uh, we all love Taika, so... I think we're almost out of New Zealand yeah. content. <laughs> you think so? 
There, there must be more <laughs> for our New Zealand uh, listeners. <laughs> well, we've got Lord of the Rings, so that will take a couple of years. Peter, you didn't watch Lord of the Rings? I haven't read it. I haven't um, watched it yet. But it's not off the table. I'm, I'm, but he plans I to. I plan to. I plan to. <laughs> and also, by the way, in the last episode, there's a scene that Brett is dancing like at a, oh, at a construction that, yeah. site. Because, like, I saw that and, and I thought, okay, this is definitely a culture gap that I have because I, I've seen references to, like, dancing in a construction site or a, or a warehouse or whatever it is in, in a couple of, of uh, places, and I don't know where it's from. So I Googled it, and it's from Footloose, and that's definitely a movie we should oh. see. Well, I have to do that one day, definitely. I wanted to mention that scene as well because I kind of I, I realized that it's a reference to something, but... Even if it was just any other dance, I thought that scene was amazing. Definitely a, a strong way to kind of finish the first season. Because they're always so quiet and gentle, and suddenly they're dancing in the middle of the street, and, and they're jumping, and, and I thought it was funny. Like, I couldn't stop laughing when I saw it. It was funny! Yeah, I quite like that as well. Well, Flight of the Concords was an interesting experience. I gotta say that I started with, uh, with high hopes and... Uh, I admit it kind of didn't hold up as I thought it will. It's been fun. I, I definitely will try watching more of their, uh, of their live shows. I'm, it's an interesting question if I will continue to uh, season two. I agree. I, I, I really thought that this is going to kind of be one of our favorite things. But I watched it and listened to the albums and everything. And I didn't love it. But I still think you guys would gush over it or something. And I kind of was surprised that you didn't, but like, it, it makes sense now. I kind of think that this is really fun. I'm really glad that we've done this. It's not the best thing we've done. Yeah, I'm sort of, I feel like I like it a little bit more than you guys. Maybe it's just because I'm Australian and this humor is like, it's not really new. Like I, I've seen this kind of humor before. Yeah. So like, I didn't really have to do that sort of context shift where I had to adopt to it. But no, it, it was fun. I enjoyed the music just as an aside. Like I thought some of the f- songs were catchy just while I was listening to them. Um, I sort of felt like by the end though, I was just watching it because I knew the band. Like if they were, if I didn't know their live stuff, I would probably not like this at all. But because I know they are really funny at times, then I sort of, I was just sort of waiting for it, for them to be like as good as they were live. But I think the answer now for me is probably just listen to the whole live stuff. Like everything they put out live, just listen to that from start to finish. And the if you still need more, then this show's there for you. But um, I'm not not recommending it, but I'm also just like, if you only once you get through all the live stuff, then, then go on to this. I'll definitely finish the second season because I'm already kind of halfway through and I'm having fun. But I think we all are kind of in agreement that they're, Comedy specials are kind of the best they did. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, for our next episode, we're going to watch Woody Allen's Annie Hall. It's a romantic comedy from 1977. It features Diane Keaton, Paul Simon, Christopher Walken, uh, and Woody Allen, of course. It's supposed to be a really cute movie. As far as I've seen, it's the most popular Woody Allen movie. And I don't think I've ever seen any of his movies, so it's a cultural gap that I want to close, or, you know, at least one movie, just so I can put a check mark next to it. I haven't seen any of them, and I'm hoping this sort of connects, because I do have sort of like a, um, a chick flick streak going on, but <laughs> I'm hoping this gets to that sort of somber side, the, the sort of the, the, the sweet, mm. you know kind of bit that I like out, yeah. of, out of movies. So you two never watched a, a Woody Allen movie? Never. No, I never have. I heard of Annie Hall for the first time when I was watching um, How I Met Your Mother, actually. Like, Ted judges his dates based on whether they like or hate Annie Hall. Oh, really? Well, in one of the episodes, yeah. Huh. So he was imagining, like, uh, bad scenarios, like, because t- um, Lily and Marshall have something they want to tell him and they want to text him but he wants to keep the mystery of romance alive so he doesn't want to get spoiled about what she's like 
and then he's thinking about the worst possible things that could happen and then he's going through all these timelines in his head where he's like oh i'm a murderer and he's like no and then she's like i'm from another planet and i want to destroy the human race no and he's like i don't like any hall no and then he like wakes <laughs> up and he's like oh my god and he's like hearts beating and stuff like that so yeah. <laughs> i have to say i watched the trailer to any hall just a few minutes before we started recording and i have to say just so you guys know how i'm going into this everything about it looked kind of annoying <laughs> no not, not everything but like then kitten looked really cute and everything looked cute it looks like a movie a type of movie that i would like but i don't know the style of woody allen doesn't seem to be kind of my thing so i'm going into this i, I don't have high expectations from this oh, that's interesting that's interesting. It'll be it could be the opposite of Flight of the Concords, I guess. But, yeah, exactly. Um, but I remember our first episode um, when we when we watched um, the, producers. the producers. That was really fun, and we went in with pretty modest expectations. Uh huh. Exactly. We've been surprised before. So we have high expectations for our low expectations. Medium expectations. Okay. I, I, I say I say modest because then if I I don't want to say it looks shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I agree. Barrett, do you consider yourself kind of a... Uh, did you like the movies, uh, the Woody Allen movies that you watched? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I never watched any Hall and I didn't watch that many Woody Allen movies, but they all feel kind of small and contained. And oh, that's it good. has its charm. That's good. But you have to like that kind of that kind of vibe. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll see next episode. So... Thank you, Peter, and thank you, Barrio, for staying true to our goal. And thank you, the listeners at home, for helping us along the latest stage of our quest. We hope that you join us again next episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. See ya. Present. <laughs> <laughs>